0: high above first street south and studios in minneapolis this is nice games club the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development
1: i'm ellen burns johnson and i make nice games
0: i'm steve mcgregor and i make nice games
1: and i'm Martha croy i too make nice games
0: for this week's episode our topics are learning a game engine and gun and so if everyone is ready uh <laughs> wait for the end of the thing let's start good that,
2: that was good right? Good good ad lib i did it really fast
0: (laughs) i didn't realize i was going so quick
2: well it's because mark chose a one word one syllable topic
1: yes it's all my fault
0: (laughs) (laughs) sounds good i'm (laughs) devoid blame (laughs) so we showed our games off at 2d con yeah yeah you did have a live episode too we did that we did do all those things it should
2: that should have been out by the before this one comes out out. yeah
3: (laughs) yeah it'll be Uh, over
1: from where we're sitting it's about it's it was last week, yeah. seven days ago. But yeah. uh, listeners, it'll be a little over two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago <laughs> when that happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's so post-mortem. Like,
0: how'd it go? I don't know. I, I guess it was. I forgot how exhausting it is to show games off at conventions. Yeah. <laughs> Not oh, in a yeah. bad way. It's just like, you know, there's a lot of people um and it, there was more work we had to do uh during this one because like we were more we were more cautious you know we were wearing masks mm-hmm. um and we were cleaning controllers and stuff after people played them um to prevent the spread uh but all i mean you also still have to do all the social things you still have to talk to people random people who are super excited about your game and you've been working on it for six years yeah <laughs> you know? yeah and you don't you're just tired of talking about yeah. it i don't know Maybe that's me being cynical. But.
2: No, I think it's like you know, it's it was like a two and a half day con, right? Like yeah. it started mm-hmm. on fr- Friday morning, maybe, until went Sunday evening.
0: Oh,
1: or, about that, yeah, yeah. So it
2: was like it was a long time, and so you have to be kind of on stage, I guess, in a little—not yeah. literally, because you were you were on stage, sort of,
3: yes. for like an hour, <laughs> right?
2: But you know, when you're there demoing your game, you are. Engaging with people and their approach to the content, like is, like you said, really different than your approach to the content. Cause you made the thing and you've been working on it for many, many years. And they're just sitting down and they're like, yeah, fish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. and it takes, <laughs> it takes emotional energy to be in like the demo space. But also, and this just occurred to me like, if you're demoing a game, you will have to be like ready to engage socially and then ready to like completely pivot and let them play the game. Yeah. yeah. In in a way that, like, if you're just like manning a booth at a conference where you're selling a book or something, you're all, it's always social, right? Yeah. You you never have to pivot to let them
1: play. Somebody would walk by and I would be, and I would wait to see if they would be engaged right Mm -hmm. and if they weren't but they were like slowing down and looking i could see they were like deciding whether to stop or move on yeah yeah and so i would just say like oh hey you want to play and then almost 100 percent of the time they'd go oh okay and then they would it's like the decision was made for them and then i like immediately looked away from them like i immediately like i didn't you know what i mean i wanted to make sure that they understood that i wasn't going to be in their face
3: (laughs) yeah yeah you know
1: but but i like but they needed a little bit of help to make the decision, not everybody, but some people did, yeah. but at the same, but those are the type of people you don't want to then continually pester.
3: Yeah.
1: You just want to like give them their time with it and let them, you know, figure it out. Yeah. Um, but Steven, you and I both, uh, cause you were showing off vengeance right. and I was showing off widget schedule and you were as well. Yeah. Uh, we were side by side. So we got the, you know, yep. uh, tag team a little bit. Worked out. Um, w- both those games are out and that's, this is the first time that we've shown them in that state yeah, hmm. yeah. um it, but you know the pandemic been so long that it's kind of funny because uh, Wid- uh you know uh, fingence came out more recently mm-hmm. but um uh, it feels like we just actually been out forever now yeah but it really hasn't it have not really shown it in this capacity mm-hmm. um and so it was a little different because it, you know a lot of times we'd use these events as like sort of like a kind of um low-level QA playtesting kind of events yeah and it just was weird not to be in that mode anymore like I'm not, I was uninterested in people's feedback,
3: you know? <laughs> Yeah, which yeah. was kind
1: of an interesting feeling. Um, and also it made it a lot easier to disengage from people mm. and just like, here's the game. If you want it, I have a little square reader. It's on sale or you can get it on your switch or whatever. Yeah. I didn't need to do more than that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I didn't need to like explain the game to them or like see if this worked for them or not, or, you know, get their feedback on level two or whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, and that was kind of nice. And also it was good because, you know i didn't want to do as much direct engagement i wanted to stay further away from people i didn't want to yeah speak as much to people because of the you know um uh because of the pandemics ongoing and so it made it a little it made me a little more comfortable and i uh, i I didn't feel as much pressure to sort of bend or break those rules
3: yeah
0: you know yeah people were really good about like wearing masks and stuff yeah
1: better than i thought i was i was really expecting to be a you know, a policeman the whole time and like yell at people and and for them to be turned off from widget satchel because I was like, put your damn mask on. Yeah. But almost everyone during the, the main portion of the show was really good about it. Mm-hmm. Um, So I was very, very pleased to know that.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was
0: cool.
1: We sold some copies. Which is pretty nice. Making that money. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting because we're not we weren't in a vendor room, so people weren't expecting. They didn't have their wallets out. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it was a little bit harder of a sell, and so I couldn't. I kind of just had to put the sign up and kind of just let people come to it. Yeah, um, because it 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 is a much harder ask for people who are like what well, because that whole area 2 dcon was all free to play games like right. a bunch of free play arcade games once of consoles are set up that is the space where you go to play games for free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was kind of a um, the table that I had, you know, had a, a vendor license essentially to, to sell copies. Yeah, and I had steam codes printed on index cards for people um, uh, to, you know, just take their cash and here's the here's the code. Um, but very quickly, I was like, well, that's not going to be a, we're not going to sell a lot. We're just, mm-hmm. There's just no way we're going to. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't, you know, it's not the, it wasn't the largest attended convention ever, so just the amount of people, and then that sales funnel of who's interested, who's mm-hmm. ready to buy, who's, who can, who has their wallet ready to go. Yeah. It just gets smaller and smaller and smaller, so just yeah. mathematically, I'm like, this is not going to be a lot of people, potentially, who could buy this thing. Um, but we sold five copies. So hey. <laughs> not, That's cool. Not bad. Yeah. You know, yeah. not, didn't, make up for the cost of the table but well <laughs> what are you gonna do <laughs>
3: yeah
0: <laughs> that's cool though that's, yeah. yeah
1: it was nice to sort of there was a bunch of other people as well showing off their games it was good to see those people again yeah, yeah. oh yeah it's it been really a while long since long we'd time. actually seen or talked yeah. to some of them so yeah, it was it's nice very
0: good Astro gunners is still doing doing real work it's an early
1: access now yeah it mm-hmm. yeah. we'll put that link in the show notes yeah people oh, should get on actually, that game so fun yeah it is sure. really cool
0: there's a bunch of oh my me and my brother played this card game oh gosh I can't remember the card game's name right now <laughs> I feel bad um but the developers are from um Chicago um I I'll find the link and put it in the show notes oh is
1: it like Pillars of Eternity is
0: the name of it or something like I that I think it was something mm. like that yeah. yeah Pillars of Eternity um I didn't
1: even play that but I remember you and Charles were just obsessed with it it's all a weekend r- well
0: part of it is me and Charles were competing against one another <laughs> yeah <children>. of course <laughs> <first. laughs> we do that um but I I think like a lot of it like it's just interesting because it's just it's like a it's a um card game you know like a collectible card game but you play everything in real time so all of the cards have like um cooldowns and stuff Mm -hmm. um it's really interesting but there's like a lot of design things that are fascinating about that game yeah um that like would be cool to see get um i would like to see how that game progresses further down the line too because like there's a lot of stuff that they could do with it
1: Um, yeah it's really cool it's fun because it's it's a bunch of familiar game mechanics but mixed up in a unique, novel way. Yeah. So yeah. it's, I mean, uh, if I mean, if if for no other reason than that, it's sort of destined for success because it it it's an it's an easy sell to the mm-hmm. player yeah. because it's new but not frighteningly new. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's great.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think there's a list of the 2D kind of games. Well, I'll I'll compile a list and put it in the in the show notes because people need to to see it. Yeah. 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 What else have people been up to?
1: Ellen has been up to not playing Hades yet. I haven't started
0: Hades
2: yet.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: No. It's a big game. I did hear you
2: all Twitter poll responders, so it's it's coming.
1: Yeah. By but, the time you, dear listener, hear this episode, perhaps. Yeah. Probably. Ellen will be six or seven runs in, maybe.
2: Yeah, we'll see. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> it doesn't take long to die in that game, so. Six <laughs> seven
2: that yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. 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 Or more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. And I, don't the,
1: if, I don't know if I talked a lot about it on the show my experience playing it but it it, you hit a wall in that game pretty early and but it's not a big wall so you can push through it and then you hit another wall a little bit later and at a certain point i got bored of it which was really Hmm. disappointing because i i wasn't as motivated to push past that second or third wall sure so i got to the part where um the the minotaur um, oh yeah yeah and i i i got to that battle a couple of times and i didn't quite understand why like i didn't get the strategy yet and then my and then trying it again would take a while yeah, because right, you'd get back to that. And yep. I just, it didn't interest me. Yeah. And I was really disappointed because I felt like I was making good progress in a genre I don't normally play. And I, I, I you know, I would die. And I was like, okay, I, I learned something. I'll move forward. And it felt like I was kind of getting it. Yeah. And then at that point, I'm just like, I can't be bothered anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I was really disappointed because... I was hoping to see the rest of it.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, we could do a whole topic on Hades, and we probably shouldn't. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> but like, I think like the, a lot of the na- a lot of the draw of Hades and what keeps you coming back to it is the narrative. Yeah. yeah. Um. And so like the deaths don't feel as bad because like you get to learn more about the game, right? The, the lore of the game. and the
1: characters and yeah, that, and that's, stuff.
0: Yeah. Um. But like, if that is not a motivating factor, I don't know if it was a motivating factor. For you or not Mark. But,
1: I well, it was definitely compared to other roguelikes. Yeah. I w- I very much appreciated it. Sure. But I didn't, it wasn't the story for me, Okay. but I was still, it's kind of like when you watch a bad movie, you're like, this isn't a great movie. I don't love it. But I don't hate it. Yeah. I'll sit through to the end. Yeah. That's yeah. how I felt okay. about the story in Hades. Sure. Uh, it just didn't, like, I don't really care about this privileged teenager. Like, yeah, it just didn't, it didn't hit, his struggles didn't hit me. Okay. Gotcha. You know, that, like that worked on me, I guess. <laughs> yep. gotcha. Um. And so, and I don't, I'm, I guess I'm just not into the sort of the Greek mythos aesthetic mm-hmm. of it at all. Um, but I didn't hate it and it was yeah. well made. So yeah, I, I was like, right. I'll, I'll stick through this. We'll see this to the end. But it just, that didn't motivate me enough to get past the like, yep. I was like, well, okay, I'll do, I'll try this boss once more, but it's going to be 20 minutes before I can do it. Yeah. If I'm lucky. Yeah. So why? <laughs> like it just, it was so frustrating. Yeah. But that's the nature of the game. It has to work that way. So, Duh. yeah. So I, I didn't, I didn't begrudge it that fact. I just was like, nah, all right, I guess yeah. I'm done. So, so, Alan, that's what you have to look
3: forward to.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, it'll, it'll be fine. Um, yeah. It turned, Eric loves this game. He's yeah. played it for hundreds of hours. Oh, yeah. Seems like <laughs> um, an Eric kind of game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He doesn't think I'm going to like it. No. So now I'm determined to like it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing about it is, so I, if I had gotten all the way to the end of the story, mm-hmm. I think that would have satisfied me. Uh, it, and I don't think, I no matter how much I loved it at that point, I wouldn't have gone further. Yeah. But that game does invite you to go further and further and further and further. Yeah. Um, and, and uses a lot of mechanical invitations to do that. So you may find yourself um, sticking with it even past the, the the credits.
2: Yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll report back.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, in other news, I'm wearing a dress with pockets in it. <laughs> pockets
0: this is just good news. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: it's just good news from yeah. life that I wanted to share. Yeah, yeah. With pockets.
1: Yeah. Awesome. And we're getting towards the end of the summer now, so this is one of your last chances to wear dresses with pockets.
2: Hell no. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, you wear dresses with pockets, because you can wear tights and boots.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's good.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Keep you nice and warm. And then you got a dress and you got pockets. Exactly. You
2: get the whole thing. Boots and dress with pockets. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it rained the other day and I put on my sweatshirt outside for the first time. while. Well, we've had some really hot days this summer. Yeah. And uh, it's the, you know, it's the beginning of September. And I always forget that September is still summer. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it will usually is hot till the end of the, the month, more or less um but it was a little bit weird because i guess in the pandemic i just haven't been out a lot mm-hmm. yeah and but but now i've been out more lately this past couple of months right. as things have sort of changed and, and gotten a little weird and transitory mm-hmm. um but yeah it was very weird to be out in 61 degree weather yeah it was i was it kind of threw me i was like yeah, yeah it's kind of strange it's yeah. like
2: perfect today it's all sunny there's a little breeze it really and nice out, yeah. it's like 70 degrees
0: <laughs> yeah you should that reminds me you should do a pandemic check-in in a future episode. Yeah. It's been a little bit. Yeah. That's all. But not now.
1: Not now. No. No. no, no, no. We got topics. We got stuff to get to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which, starting with what, Ellen?
2: Godot. Godot.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Godot. Uh-huh. I've decided I'm going to call the the game engine Godot. Yeah. That's okay. where I am. But, like, have the play version, I'm going to say Godot.
0: So that's that's how you distinguish the difference. That's nice games Club's official stance on the pronunciation. (laughs) Thank you.
2: Thank you. We will revisit GIF.
0: Right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. What?
2: Yeah. Okay. Not today though. (laughs) We're not going to revisit it today. Okay.
1: Well, whatever she was talking about, we'll talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: Okay. So there, uh, I I think I mentioned on the show before that it's appealing to me. I want to, I have wanted to learn Godot for a while and um, partly because it's open source and partly because Uh, It's apparently pretty easy to learn compared to other game engines like Unreal or Unity. Mm. Um, Having poked around in Unity, that's definitely an intimidating program. So I haven't really felt motivated to go back and do much with it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've also been delaying on Godot because there's lots of other stuff to do, including playing Hades, which I also haven't done. (laughs) Part of the reason I haven't played Hades is because there was a game jam this weekend called Stop Waiting for Godot.
0: Um, it's a great title,
2: and the whole, yeah exactly because the play is called Waiting for Godot. Yeah, I
0: didn't realize that until this morning. I feel bad, <laughs> you missed the joke. <laughs> I missed the joke. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll stop waiting for Godot. I'll just start working on it today. <laughs> Why <are you> asking? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, the both of you in, did some Godot exploration this I, weekend. I did work on Godot a little bit too. Yeah,
0: I signed up for the jam, but I don't think I'm going to end up turning in anything. Uh, <laughs> well, it goes I,
2: till end of it goes till six p.m. tomorrow.
0: I know. I don't. Oh, if I want to keep working on it, we can talk about that later. That's that's <laughs> yeah, I think
2: you specifically said as we were setting up today that you wanted to do nothing tomorrow,
0: yeah. <laughs> so,
1: um, tomorrow is Labor Day, so like that's yeah. a, it's okay for you to, yeah. Like, well, I know, but I mean,
3: I,
0: I I don't want to like bring it down, but like i <laughs> I had difficulties working with the all, yeah. <laughs> well,
2: this is the time we're going to talk about that. Yeah, um, yeah. but 1st of all I'll get to the background. So, Terry yeah. Kavna um, who wrote who made the game, mm-hmm. um, is, and other games as well. But he was just like, I've been trying to learn Godot and I just needed a reason to start. So I'm going to start this game jam and it's going to be called Stop Waiting for Godot. And the whole point is you're just going to do something. You're going to build something and it doesn't just go to start something. Um, so we'll link to the jam page in the show notes. It'll be over by the time the episode airs, but you'll be able to see some of the games that people mm-hmm. posted. Uh, and so that just seemed like the perfect thing. It's the perfect excuse for me to stop waiting and yeah. just start with Godot. Uh, so I did. Now, um, you, there's also a Twitter hashtag, and you can go on there and see what people have been, been building. And I have thus far built a button. <laughs> <laughs> you can press it, and it changes the text on the screen. Cool. But I did it, and I've learned it from scratch. Right? So I don't really know a game engine. Um, I've worked with Unity because um, I was level designer on Widget Satchel. But all the infrastructure was already built out for me. So I didn't have to really know how Unity put stuff together to be able to create levels. I just worked with the prefabs you had already created and showed me how to duplicate stuff and how to, you know, nest things correctly so I didn't break things. And mm-hmm. for the most part, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but from here with Godot just started at the beginning. And um I was told by some of the folks on the Nice Games Club uh Discord channel that the just the regular just like really good documentation for beginners right there in the Godot you know, stuff. Right. So I found the, um, like the getting started step-by-step section. And I just started at the beginning and just went step-by-step and it's written really, really well. Like as an instructional designer, I will give this person an A plus, whoever wrote the documentation. They did a really nice job. Uh,
1: that's, that's shocking. For an open source project, I've seen open source documentation. <laughs> and like, you know, it is understand understandably lacking yeah, because it's very hard to do even for a commercial project, even when someone's job is the technical uh, writer on <laughs> something. so for open source documentation to be written as you described, just the even before we went on air, Ellen was just talking about how impressed she was with it. yeah and to impress Ellen w- with this <laughs> is some, is something folks.
2: Mm. Right, well, I mean, so if you're an experienced developer and you're lear- trying to learn a new engine, you're going to come at it from the perspective of the things you already know. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and I think that that is going to maybe throw some people into a deeper end of the pool than is optimal for learning because they're going to be like, well, okay, Unity has prefabs and it does it this way. And then you come into the Godot documentation and and there's an interface and you're looking at something that says a scene and it's a node and what the heck's the difference and how do I use these things? And the the paradigm is completely different, right? The schema is the schema that is Foundational to Godot and its interface and its structure is different than the schema that Unity uses, um, from what I understand. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But as a you know someone who has none of that, really none of that interfering prior knowledge, um, I have found it really really easy to to follow the documentation and move forward. Part of the reason is because I think they've split up their documentation, so they have a section that's really great for new learners, and they also have like lots of reference material that is better for people who are familiar with Godot. And they're just looking for information about how to execute something. Yeah. The beginner step-by-step documentation breaks everything down into, um, I mean, really they do it it in a way that I have used to teach software in the past, which is you look at the thing that you want to do. Like, what's the thing that you want to execute? All right, you want to build a scene um, or you want to add a script to a node. And it gives you one page that gives you that process from top to bottom. And then it breaks it down into steps that are more like, narrative steps. So first you got to build this, you have to add, you know, you have to add a node to your scene and then you have to add a script and then you have to write these, then you have to make sure your script is attached to the right things in your node. Um, And so you, you break it down into a step by step that kind of makes sense as a narrative. And then within each of those steps, you um, point to the specific gestures that the learner or the, the Mm -hmm. developer needs to do. So click here, click this, go here, move your cursor there, click that thing.
1: Um, Oh, so it's not exactly a manual, it's more of a procedure. Yeah. Oh, that's really good.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And screenshots at every step, Mm -hmm, right? But they also aren't giving you the whole entire screenshot. They're giving you like the relevant chunk of the screenshot where the thing that you need to click on is, or the thing that you need to look at is. And that's good because then you don't have, you have to think about the interface, right? Mm -hmm. So like, okay, right. I'm looking for this section of the interface. Where's that again? Right. It's over here. As opposed to giving you the whole screenshot or like a video of the interface and just showing every single thing there are, there are, it's, it's not a hundred percent of the information about how the procedures executed. It's like 90% of the information and the last 10% you have to fill in with your own thinking and doing that work um, in your brain is what makes the learning stick. Mm-hmm. So I, I've been really impressed with it so far. Um Yeah. That said, I've only spent a couple hours on it, so I, I can't build the game in Godot yet, but I think I'll uh-huh. get there by the end of, tomorrow night that's cool
1: so So, um one of the things about learning a tool like this is that you really you need to learn how everything works how to build a a button how to do the physics how to and so that's independent of like what you want to make in it Mm -hmm. um have you have you given any thought to like because one of the things i guess the the crux of my question is when i need to learn something it's extremely helpful when i need to make something in it Mm -hmm. i'm I, i i can look before i leap in a little ways, if I know what my goal is, mm-hmm. th- then I can kind of just like find my way through whatever tool. If, I can have some confidence in there. Mm-hmm. You know? But some people prefer to learn differently. They prefer to learn sort of encyclopedically. Like they're like, I wanna learn how this all works before I start approaching what, my, what I'm gonna use it for. Mm-hmm. Um, well, how are you in that process?
2: Um, well, I would advocate that most people, like if you actually look at the results of someone's learning experience, mm-hmm. I would be incredibly surprised if someone actually like in the data is better at learning in the encyclopedic way. Mm-hmm. I think that because a lot of our instruction through school is takes that encyclopedic format, people are comfortable with that structure. Uh, sure. So they might feel more comfortable learning that way, but when it comes to like the amount of time you have to put in to be able to execute it, learn how to execute a certain task, mm-hmm. the encyclopedic like, approach is not optimal. Like right, you right. want to you want to learn by doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um it just might not be as comfortable as learning the encyclopedic way and that's fine you right, know like right. um but it's generally more efficient to learn by doing and they have structured this this step-by-step documentation this way so like at the end of each step you have a thing that you like run
3: yeah yeah you
2: know and so you are incrementally every single step every single f- single section of the documentation you are learning how to do a thing um and it's creating a thing that you can interact with
1: um oh that's interesting so yeah. i guess So what I was trying to get at is um, that those instructions, they get you to a thing, Mm -hmm. but it's not, you didn't come, you don't have a design document for a game you want to make necessarily. No,
2: no, no. Um, So what they have done is, you know, they're focusing on certain concepts. So not really, they're not giving you a tour of the interface. They're like, okay, you're going to learn about scenes and you're going to learn about nodes because these are really fundamental Mm -hmm. um, to the way Godot handles information about games. Um, and so they're teaching you those things. And by, by having you interact with those things, you are learning the interface and you're also building, you know, scene files and running them as game files.
1: Right. And that becomes your goal instead of saying, I'm going to, I'm going to make a Pac-Man clone or whatever. Right.
2: Well, and then step-by-step they have you go through these things. And then, um, I, I think I'm on the section that's about, um, I'm on the second scripting section. So Mm -hmm. they have me write a script Ah. and I think I'm going to do some more of that in this next section. And then I have the section is called Signals, Mm -hmm. and then they have a section called Your First Game. And so along this along this path, they're also like letting you download zip files that have things you can like move around and edit. And so when I get to that section, it'll have, I I believe so. I think I've already looked ahead and seen this, but it's going to have like a game file that then it's going to have me work in and run it. But it's already created all the assets. Mm -hmm. So like there was one exercise where um, it started like having. I think it had you um, instance a scene to another scene and uh, that one scene was a ball and one scene was a bunch of rigid bodies and the ball already had physics applied to it in the file that they gave you. Yeah. So you didn't have to do that step
3: yeah.
2: at this point. You will <laughs> I will have to, <laughs> yeah. I will have to soon. But at, for that step, it just wanted to talk, it just wanted you to grasp the concept of like, okay, this ball is a scene and these rigid bodies are a scene and you're gonna instance the ball to the rigid body scene so that the ball is part of the same workable unit. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. yeah, and then you're gonna run it, and your your ball is gonna fall down. And that's all it did. But it gave you the rigid bodies and the balls already, like, <laughs> already put together. Yeah. And then the next part of the exercise was, it was like, okay, you have your settings on your ball, right? And now in the main scene, just duplicate a bunch of ball. And so you had started with one ball that you would run, and it would bounce around. And then you cloned it a bunch of times, and then you would press play and all bunch of balls would fall around. Mm-hmm. And then it had you go into the original um, scene with your first ball and change like the um, the bounce value
3: yeah. to
2: make yeah. the ball really bouncy. And then yeah. it did that to make you experience how when you change that value for the original scene of the ball, mm-hmm. it changed that value for all the children
1: balls. Yeah. What's oh. so interesting about that, In, in th- when I read about Godot years ago, when, when I first it in my head, I better learn this one day and <laughs> starting a long journey of not doing that.
3: Yep. Um,
1: one, one, one thing that attracted me so much to it is that it's, um, its structure is very object-oriented programming. So what you're describing as instancing objects and each of those objects, you can drill into them and then you make a change and it changes all of them. Mm-hmm. That's essentially like a class, uh, in, you know, class member structure. Oh, in yeah. programming mm-hmm. um and that's one of the things that was the hardest for me when i learned unity is unity is nothing like that <laughs> like you, st- <laughs> you still write object-oriented code in unity but you don't translate that uh design pattern to the the editor mm-hmm. as as much you you have prefabs and you instance and it still has some structure but it's separated from that okay same kind of logic and godot like one, they're like when they when they announced it one of the things they say is like if you know object-oriented programming, this uses the same paradigm. And that really excited me because I had just started with Unity, and (laughs) and I was just fighting that so much. Um, And hearing you describe it, it also sounds a lot like how Flash works, um, which is just sort of like nested objects, uh, which is why, I partly because that's my history, that appeals to me so much. Yeah, Um, And it is so interesting how even now it feels so different from how Unity is and how most people, most indie developers uh, don't have that they don't they don't they don't caught that bug of how exciting it is to have that sort of like fully abstracted infinitely nesting uh, paradigm
2: yeah well and i um can't speak to all that because i'm starting from scratch with godot yeah um but one thing from a curriculum perspective that i really appreciate is like there was one um there was one really cool part of the scenes and nodes talking about how instances like scenes become instances
1: yeah. And it had like a, a, like a flow chart diagram in the document. Oh right? yeah.
2: Yep. I found it. I'll make sure to link it in the show notes. Um, and it, it just, the entire page, this this entire page comes after you have instanced that ball scene to the scene with the rigid bodies in it and then mm. duplicated a bunch of child balls and, you know, changed the value and had them all bounce like crazy. And it was pretty fun. Yeah. Um, and then you finish that section and you're like, yeah, I made a ball really bouncy and you're excited about it. Um, and then you get to this next, this next page and this next page is you don't do anything. It's actually one of the only things I've seen so far where you're just reading Yeah. and they have these really cool, um, flow charts where they've talked, they talk about the structure of scenes and they give you some, like you know, some basic, um, guidance on how you should be thinking about your the design language and the structure of your game in this way. And then mm-hmm. you can basically like, here are all the things you are gonna have in your game and their relationship between these two. But like each thing that has a box is going to be a scene. Mm-hmm. You know? And so it, it really takes a moment to like help you solidify that schema in your head before you continue and start messing around with more stuff. Yeah. 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 So it's I don't know. It's it's cool. I it's making sense to me. I don't think i I mean I'm not definitely still in like the novice level because i don't i can't i wouldn't be able to like take a new game idea and build it using the tool sure yeah sure. i'm i need more practice with it um but i feel like i will have made a lot of progress by the end of this game jam yeah um towards being able to do that so i'm totally like the game jam served its purpose already i feel confident continuing to learn mm-hmm. cool um
3: that's good
1: yeah and one of the, the one of the signs that I think you're right that by the time you're you know all said and done with it you'll you'll have made a lot more progress is how much you're talking about it sort of as a as a foundational structural conceptual notions which is like that's the key to learning the vocabulary of of a tool like this yeah is hmm. to understand the 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 language it speaks right yeah and so um, it looks like the way that it's teaching each step is building up your vocabulary. And so then, once you get to that point, you will be able to essentially make anything. To be broad about it, right? Um, which is great because in other tools, you learn how to make a specific thing, and then if you want to make something different, you have to learn something new to make a little differently. And then if you want to make the the more different it is from the thing you just made, the more the more complete learning and unlearning you have to do, mm-hmm. and and it can be frustrating because you felt like you spent all this time learning it. Yeah. Why don't I know it? Yeah. Um. So the the the, the way you're describing it seems really exciting because um I mean and of course it's gonna depend on the capabilities of, of Godot as a as a as an editor, right? Mm-hmm. Um but structurally or, or conceptually it seems like a really, really good approach.
2: I think I'm gonna you know, finish this game jam and then I'll get to work on making the next Pokemon go. <laughs> that sounds like a good
1: that's good a song. promise listener. That's
2: <laughs> a that is sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> You know, as you're talking about it, it kind of made me think about like how learning a complex tool like this is a little bit like learning a language, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're you're learning a language, um, you might start by learning, you know, certain learning enough vocabulary that you can start practicing with the grammar.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, but the point is, you want to get practicing with the grammar mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. really fast because knowing, being able to have like this deep intuitive understanding and ability. With the grammar is the thing that's going to allow you to make up sentences right rather yeah. than just regurgitate things you've memorized and like listened to a million times mm-hmm. you can do it that way like and get fairly far in like day-to-day life in another language like you can go to the store and you can ask for milk and you can complain about the weather maybe um by learning mostly via rote but it, but Being able to really truly express yourself in another language or in a development tool requires you to understand the grammar of that development tool on like a core unconscious level. And that requires a lot of practice, but it also requires like a non-frustrating good learning experience. Right,
1: It's the difference between an implement and a tool in in a sense. Like one is just this is the thing you do to do it. And the other is like, this is what you can use to make something. Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah, like I can use a screwdriver for lots of different reasons, I guess. But I need like to understand the workshop if I'm going to make a table.
1: Right, right. Well, maybe the difference between a tool and a
0: skill.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's becoming increasingly more apparent that I approached learning Godot in the wrong. way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the
1: thing is, is Ellen is free of the burden of Unity, right? Right. <laughs> right. Whereas yeah. you have like nearly a decade yeah. of like understanding, and you can do anything in Unity. Yes. Like it mm-hmm. is. It's more than a tool. It's a proper skill you have. Yep, I but know how to use you but it's. But it's very specific because your experience is very limited to yeah. just that, those sets of tools.
0: Ex- yeah. So, like, I, when I tried using Godot, I, um, well, first off, the, lang- the, the programming language is different. Well, they, I think they have an access to using C Sharp, but, like, I couldn't figure out how to be able to use C Sharp in there. So I was just like, well, I'll yeah. just learn Python, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was frustrating because, I mean, it's, it's like, py- it's, it's not dramatically different from any other programming language, but it's different enough for me to feel confused. Yeah. Um. Or at least like, I can like I can read it, but I can't type it. If that makes sense, sort of.
1: Yeah. I I do. I know what you mean. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um. So like I yeah. Um. So I had to figure out how to type in Python, and that was Mm -hmm. new to me. I I'm I'm very unfamiliar with it, and uh. Also, just like Godot, to me feels very similar to Unity, but different enough for me to not to to feel very clumsy when I was using it. Mm -hmm. Um. So. Uh, I just kind of fumbled around with things Um, and it took me like three hours to get an object to move, (laughs) which must have been frustrating, especially
2: given how, how, um, oh, what's the word competent you are in unity. Yes. Right. So like it's it's really frustrating to be an expert in one thing and then you're learning something that's, you know, adjacent yeah. You know, and you know that it will give you the capabilities to do this, but the thing that's blocking you is like your own ability.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, really, it's hard. really fascinating too, because like, you know, I just started this new job and I like um the first day on my job, I started making a prototype for them right away and I was like, Oh, I got this thing to move. And they're like, Whoa, that's so fast, you did so quick <laughs> and then I'm trying and then I'm on Godot and I can't even get a thing to move. It takes me three hours. <laughs> right. <laughs> um and yeah, so I think it, frankly, I think a lot of it was like my the way I approached it was uh I don't know if it was—I I don't know if it was wrong, but I kind of just jumped into the deep end. With sure, it. sure. Um, like I was like, well, I understand Unity and Godot can't be that different, so I, I can probably just do it. Right, um, right. I didn't really look at documentation and stuff. Um, I did—I did like download a couple of examples that Godot has on their thing, which was cool. Um, uh, an example project. Um, and I looked at that code and like I—I I understood kind of how it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, clearly not enough for me to do it right. <laughs> 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 so yeah, um. I think like I like when I first started with Unity my brother had used it his U- Unity and he had a lot of experience with it already so I used him as guidance to do things I wanted to do when he didn't know things I had to look it up and then I learned stuff and you know and then I got better um but with this one I just kind of did it myself I didn't have a guide like that could have used the documentation, but didn't realize that it was so good. Right, like <laughs> so. your
2: experience and other documentation, like
0: setting, sets, and yeah, yeah. like don't also, go it there. Also, can feel
1: a little patronizing when you're like, I, I think I do know how to do this mm-hmm. because so much of it is familiar.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and ultimately, the reason why it took me so long to do this thing is because I, I, I coded everything correctly, well, mostly. Um, but like I didn't attach the script to the game object I was trying to get to move. Yeah. It, didn't, it took me an hour and a half to realize that, that wasn't a mistake. I was making. <laughs> so like, it's not even Godot's fault. <laughs> Cause like, it was clear that I needed to attach a script to the thing in order to get it to work. Yeah. I just didn't do it. Cause I guess I was like, this is different. So it should just work. I don't know. It was, it, I, I think it was just the way I was approaching it. That was,
3: yeah, weird.
2: there's, there's a concept called interference with mm-hmm. learning. Right. And that is, and I kind of just touched on it a few minutes ago. Uh, but it, is more likely if you know something, if you know a skill, if you have a skill that's similar but different from the skill you're trying to learn, yeah. the, the similarity will cause interference sure. um, because your brain is trying to categorize things, right? in its whole network Mm -hmm. and if the things are similar it's going to categorize those things close together at first Mm -hmm. but then you have difficulty retrieving the right thing at the right time yeah. because you're going to pull knowledge from your unity file when you actually need to pull it from your nougat doe file and it's not they're messed up in the same file right now and it just takes practice to get your meat computer to do things the right way yeah um but it's frustrating that experience is frustrating so i think that people who already know a game engine are going to be it's more likely that you're going to have a frustrating time learning a new engine (laughs) because of the fact you already know. Whereas like, I don't really have that. So I made a button do, I made a button do a thing and I'm ecstatic. Yeah. (laughs) I don't have anything to compare it to. Um,
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Totally true. To extend that like language metaphor that you you had brought up earlier, it it feels like I was trying to learn French, Mm -hmm. which has, you know, um, they have the same, what's the word? Martha would know this. I can't remember the word. (laughs) Base. Or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. English and, and French have the same base. I yeah, think. yeah, they share um, some vo- vocabulary. To go back. To yeah, Latin. yes, yeah. exactly. Um, and so like it, I would be thinking of things in English, trying to translate it into French. When I really, uh, like, ideally, I want to just be thinking in French. Sort of. Yeah, I guess programming language is kind of.
1: You know what's funny about your description of the struggles you had and and dealing with that interference, yeah, is it relates. So specifically to another thing you're going through right now, mm-hmm. which is you're playing Humankind.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Which is
1: essentially the Godot version of Civ 6. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. In that, <laughs> that's in cool. That it's, it's so, and I've had a lot of trouble with Humankind mm-hmm. because of how just close enough to Civ 6 it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where I wish it was much di- more different. Right. Because it's frustrating me with how much of my muscle memory is kicking in and how much of my presumptions are taking hold yeah. you've played a lot more humankind and I you have. seem to be taking to it better
0: I, I yeah i have been um and i think part of that was like i don't know i was really excited for humankind so i like, watched a bunch of streams and stuff yeah um and i started understanding some of the strategies involved in humankind that were different from civ 6 yeah um and that makes it and that made it easier for me to like do things or play it on my own mm-hmm. really i think at this point like the game I'm playing currently, I'm running away with the game versus the AI. Like, I feel like I could go to the highest difficulty and do decently mm-hmm. now, um, probably better than I wouldn't Civ, if actually, um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> at the moment humankind isn't super well balanced so that's why I'm oh running. okay and you've you've figured out how but to also i'm that. the boss so. <laughs> well it's motivations right like yeah. mm-hmm. i
1: think um you know there's nothing essentially on the line <laughs> like so maybe it's easier to work through that interference and you're motivated to learn this new thing yeah. maybe you're a little bored of civ yeah you know, and that's yeah. that's different from learning a different tool well, but to replace yeah, something you know and works. yeah
0: and I kind of just like decided to join this jam at the spur of the moment sort of thing but like I don't need to learn yeah you know, like you're saying I don't need to learn Godot um, I don't have any incentive to learn Godot because I'm not going to be making any games in Godot anytime soon um and we'll see yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ellen's got ideas <laughs> uh, <laughs> um so like it's not as motivating for me to want to do it so like if I get frustrated doing a thing um in godot like i i could just stop and be you know comfortable working in unity because like yeah i just been doing that for years, um whereas like with humankind like i wanted to learn humankind because like i saw all those things in it or saw people playing it and having a good time and i was like i want to have a good time too um and so <laughs> i was motivated to you know get better at the game and yeah maybe part of it is also like i've been playing a lot of six, um so like playing a new game um, with this knowledge of four x that I gained over the pandemic, <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to apply that knowledge to a new game um that you know felt more motivating right to, to get to do that yeah, so.
1: doing something for its own sake is easier to do when it's a video game
0: yeah
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but uh you should uh check out the instructions uh, the 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 step by step that Ellen was describing, yeah, and see if that can help you you know uh, uh find that motivation to to do it for itself yeah self. it
0: might because like yeah i think i had a unique experience with it I, I it seems like other people uh a, a, approached or were able to get through godot a lot better than i was and i think ms really just the way i actually approached it that made it more difficult for me
2: well i'll be on a voice chat tomorrow working through more of it so if you if you want to start there and be like okay i'm done i'm going to play humankind now <laughs> we can we can talk through the various things we're learning to do in the various things that we're doing
3: yeah
1: I'm jealous of both of you. I didn't have time this weekend to do it, but I it's it has been on my list for years, and I feel bad I haven't gotten around right to it. One day, one Well,
2: day. now you know where you can
0: start.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I now it it'll might be a little bit easier for me to finally pull the trigger on that.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh so long-time listeners of the show know that we have we've done episodes on many, many things. Yeah,
2: like 230 things.
1: 230 odd episodes at least. Yeah. Right. And and many more topics on top. A whole lot. Um, you know, we've bound to retread some ground from time to time. Maybe we've talked about something in expensive detail, maybe things that are related. Mm-hmm. If you want to sort of connect the dots, how can you do that with all the resources that we have?
0: Well, you can check on our website, nicegames.club. We've got a fancy search feature. You can just search all of these fancy topics that we've got. Like if you're interested about learning things. Mm-hmm got a whole bunch of topics on that or a bunch of episodes we talked about on that you can go on a website just type learn, learn mm-hmm. and it'll give you things
2: they're like you can use filters too so you can filter by like certain guests or certain you know types of episodes or topics yeah and, um if you just really like you know what's the one where we code we don't haven't done those in a while but like
0: code code. oh code comment, That's code comment. yeah, yeah like video you, episodes.
2: yeah you can like go search for those or if yeah. you really like Um, If you really like anything on, like, tabletop games, you can search for that. So, I don't know, it's pretty... Yeah, there's a lot of ways you can find old episodes.
1: Yeah, and we can get you started a little bit. uh, The two topics we have for today's episode, we have a pair of episodes that relate to it. We can get you started on your journey through our archive. Uh, Which ones are those, Steve?
0: Yeah, there's episode 25, where we uh, talk with Dev. Um, Dev, Jana, to uh, talk about violence in games. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the episode before Ellen was a host, Um, she was a guest, Uh, episode 75. Talk about uh, education uh, design.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So you can check those out; they're cool.
2: I kind of want to listen to what I had to say again. <laughs> I might go back and listen to myself and like see if I disagree.
0: As always, Ellen, you sounded very intelligent.
2: Sure, but that doesn't mean I was right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was There's right, that. but I might
4: be more right now.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's well, true. listener, you can be the judge of that yourself. Yes, at nicegames.club Okay, so my topic is uh, about guns, and
0: this is okay. First off, I want to say that this is a weird, <laughs> yeah, topic for you to bring up more specifically, right?
1: I mean, maybe it's so it, it was inspired a little bit by. Uh, so I've been watching Dale play Mass Effect. Yeah, okay, and she was playing the uh, the Citadel DLC, oh, and there's okay. a portion in it um, where uh, you face off against a clone of yourself. So it's Shepard v Shepard. Mm-hmm. And the you know it's all weird you know sci-fi cloney gobbledygook and yeah. it's an <laughs> evil twin and blah blah, blah. Okay. and the, it's a very the, that whole DLC is just meta so it's kind of eye rolling oh but there's a s- section in it where you are in a firefight with the clone shepherd, mm-hmm. and you have your two squad mates because that's how Mass Effect works you yeah. only have two squad mates uh, at a time and then the clone shepherd has a lieutenant character um and also like dozens of minions yeah and. And there's like a, a line of dialogue that's shouted back and forth uh, between the characters during the firefight, which is like, you know, like, I you know, I'm the real shepherd. No, I'm the real shepherd. You're the fake shepherd. And it's kind of it's very cheesy. Yeah. But there's a part of it which is like, oh, I've got this team working for me or like I've got the trust of my crew or, you know, kind of something about that. Yeah. And then the, um, the clone shepherd says like, well, uh, so do I. I'm just as good as you. And then the player character says, like, you don't have squad mates, you have minions, and I'm killing all of them. And it's like, <laughs> okay, rude. But, <laughs> okay. but what it made me think about is, like, mechanically, it, it's very hard in Mass Effect, or at least the way it's structured, yeah. to have a proper one-on-one contest. Right. Because you can't, as the player, you are a bullet sponge, yes. right? That Most games are like that. Bosses are sometimes bullet sponges, Mm -hmm. but the way Mass Effect is designed, uh, those are not good encounters. And so whether the the clone shepherd is a bullet sponge, but also to make it interesting and fun for the player, you need to have all these minions. You need to travel through a level. You can't just be in this arena going around and around. It's not really structured for that. And so it kind of betrays the narrative a Mm -hmm. little bit. Like if this is a proper clone shepherd, like who's who's. Whole narrative drive is to say, I'm just like you. I'm going to replace you. I'm going to steal your ship. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm, and also sort of vying for legitimacy, I guess. Yeah. But then at the same time, just like dozens of nameless soldiers uh, the, under her command. And I, I, uh, what got me to thinking about guns is because the reason it is that way is because the mechanics are about the gunplay. Yeah. Yeah. And so I thought it's kind of a weird way in. But it made me really think about that sort of connection between mechanics and narrative and how, like, I don't think I've heard any critic talk about Mass Effect, at least that sequence, in that way. Mm. Um, you know, I, maybe we can look and see uh, what people, you know, what the critical reaction to that DLC was um, in more detail. But I don't recall anyone ever noting that that was weird about it, um, uh, you know, and and... I find that a lot where I find the use of guns in video games is there's the there's the violence in games angle. Right. Yeah. And I think I've talked about on the show before how I'm not as I get older, I'm not I don't like in, just indiscriminate violence in games. But I'm also of the strong opinion that I don't think violence in games is something that's I don't think it's a danger to kids, for example. Yeah. But I do think that it's treated in a in sort of a blood, you know, a casual way that I don't like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and part of the reason of that is the way we treat guns is very in games has a very established vocabulary, mm. and that vocabulary is nothing like how guns really are.
4: Yeah, mm. and
1: and there's something that's okay about that in a sense, like you know, football games don't work the same way as real football, mm. right? Because in a football video game, you play as player and coach in a yeah. sense, right? You control, you know, so and there's something about translating that to another medium. That is perfectly acceptable, so I, I don't want to give the impression that like you know that that's that my my concern about guns is that, yeah, it's just that I think we've established such a very specific language about what guns are, mm-hmm. but because it's not how guns really are, why is it so specifically that? Why yeah. can't we do why' be hmm. other kind of relations to it? One of the things that is a little silly to me is guns are supposed to be kind of frightening right? they're they're, yeah. they're they're lethal, dangerous weapons and we don't tr- we treat them like laser tag in games. Yeah. So why isn't it just laser tag? <laughs> like why why isn't it, why isn't it some other fi- why do we have why can't we have some other fiction that that plays on what is essentially an extremely it, joyful game experience, which is point and click as Mar- as Martha would describe it. <laughs> is that that's why she likes shooters and point and clicks because they're the same. Yeah.
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> um but w- why I mean i I guess I know why because it's it's hard, it's hard to narratively yeah. define those things, yeah, but it just seems sort of strange to me, and why don't we have games where guns are one shot kill? Well, it's well because it'll be really boring, you died right away. It's like, well, no, because you could also have the gameplay be about avoidance, it could be about uh you know, like you know we we, we make fun a lot about how Nathan Drake kills seven hundred people on yeah. on his way to not kill the boss or whatever in in a right. cutscene, yep, and it's like well. Why don't we have, when you get hit, why don't we make that, not necessarily one-shot kill, but why is it just that your health bar goes down by half, but you still have all your strength and can jump just as far? Yeah. Like, I just seem like, as the games get more and more realistic, like, we're so stuck in, in on how we represent stuff like that. Sure. That it's just tagging and target practice. Yeah. And I don't see any appetite for evolving that, in a way.
0: Yeah. Um, so this isn't guns. But specific like what i what i the way you're describing this kind of reminds me of the i think it's not samurai showdown there's another game mm-hmm. it's not samurai showdown um uh where you you play as, you you know you play as uh you have i think you play a samurai but it's not called samurai showdown <laughs> um, <laughs> but like when you stab somebody um you don't immediately you you do there are chances to get like instant kills if you stab somebody with the sword um but also if you just hit like with their limb or something. Yeah, that, that you can't use that limb, and so you're like disadvantaged.
4: Ah, uh, you still need right. to fight with that limb,
0: or you still need to fight with that limb. You know, not being able to use or something like that. Um, it's uh, so it like I think it's been explored a little bit, and like some games, it like most games, you're like a, a bullet sponge sort of with, mm-hmm. with with guns specifically. You're like a bullet sponge, but some games do make you die relatively quickly. Yeah. Um, like Call of Duty, generally speak. Well, no, I think it's changed over the years, but Call of Duty. In the past, like you died pretty quick to yeah, this. um, not so not as much anymore. Yeah.
1: I will say my favorite multiplayer shooter ever, yeah, is GoldenEye. Oh yeah, uh, 007 mm-hmm. for the Nintendo Sixty Four, and not because it's particularly good, but because it has a really robust one shot kill mode. Yeah, and what's great about it is, um, and it works just the same. I mean, it's it's just one shot kill. Yeah, and so your motivations are a little bit different. It's yeah. a little more sneaking around. There's a lot more tension, mm-hmm. but when you die, you just come back. So like any other game. So like, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, So it truly shouldn't be that difficult to have games like that. Like thinking of a squad shooter where you have to advance to an enemy uh, base Mm -hmm. and it's one shot kill. Mm -hmm. Then it's very, a lot more communication about covering, you know, I mean, the whole idea of like cover me, which is something that you see in movies a lot. Yeah. Like it's kind of useless in video games. Mm -hmm. Why isn't that an interesting mechanic? You know, to actually like lay down gunfire to prevent somebody from standing up. Yeah. But but if they can take a couple hits, it's impossible to cover somebody um, in order to advance a player forward. And if you get shot, you have to go back to the beginning and then you have to ad- advance further along yeah. and you no longer have your squad mate. So it's a little, you know, there's I mean, just there's so many. It's not it shouldn't be that hard. To, like, have different kinds of ways of approaching these things. Yeah. Um, and those attempts that you're describing of, of, like, games that try to have, like, oh, you got shot in the arm, so you don't have that arm or whatever. Right. There's so few or far between, and yep. they, there are always such novelties. Yes, that's true. Mm. In, a, in a way that, like, they never seem to be explored enough. The first time you do it, it's a novelty, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be perfect. Right. But then someone needs to be inspired by that to try it again and evolve it. And it just seems like every time someone does something a little different. It's like it's a tiniest tree branch off the trunk of shooter games. Mm. Yeah. And then it just ends there. And then someone tries something different later on that has learns none of the lessons of those other yeah. things.
0: Well, I think a lot of the games we're talking about are like AAA games. And yeah. Generally speaking, they're risk adverse. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, they're not going to they're not going to want to risk trying a one shot kill thing. Um. But like, I don't know. It's so fun. No, I, I don't <laughs> disagree. I think that there's a lot yeah. of compelling. And content. there are some games where
1: people that some Shooter games mm-hmm. where players the the fast respawn dying very frequently is actually a popular part about it. That's true. You know, yeah. I, I think that there's a kind of like I think what you're saying is like people are afraid to punish the player to make it too hard on them or to I don't think that has to be the result necessarily of of a system like no,
0: that. no I, I that's not what I was saying okay. I, I just think that because it's established at this point that character or players are bullet sponges yeah I don't think they want to make it not bullet sponges all of a sudden sure like people. They are scared that people won't expect that or yeah. want that. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, that's what I think. But I mean, that doesn't mean people shouldn't experiment with it. Yeah. I'm just thinking that AAA is not going to do it. We well, that's a the question
1: then is, is it this way mm-hmm. naturally? Like this is just what people like? Or is it this way as a happenstance of this is what became popular and then it became established and oh, now that's the way it that's is? A good question. Like it's that's kind of a, a counterfactual. We can't really fully uh yeah know about yeah but sometimes i do wonder some of these things like why is it the way this way is is it because we we all our natural impulses got guided us to that yeah yeah or it just that's the one thing that became popular and therefore
0: that's an interesting question Hmm. um because like
1: fighting games like that too the way fighting games work is very
0: specific That's true, and it's like did it have to be that way? No, it definitely didn't. I think everybody took inspiration from Street Fighter 2 right? right? To become the 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 main core. Mm
2: -hmm. It sets player expectations, right? So if you see something that is marketed like a shooter, the controls look like a shooter, and you move around like a like a shooter, you're going to expect it to feel like a shooter, right? Which, and this is one of the things I wanted to bring up as I, you know, I've sat sat here kind of listening to you guys. I think about shooters, I think about feeling really powerful from the start
3: yeah. Right? yeah you know
2: um when i think about games where i'm there are g- potentially guns in the game but like i am a fragile human mm-hmm. the one that came to mind immediately was like alien isolation right oh it's so easy to die in that game <laughs> you know and it should is more realistic right and you can use weapons and all sorts of gadgets but like if you get hit you're gonna get hurt
3: yeah and or <laughs> die yeah
2: um and i don't feel powerful in that game even when i'm just kneeling it and being really successful in avoiding things i yeah. feel clever
3: yeah and right, right
2: i wonder if it's the expectation around like what your core emotional experience will be as a player that that keeps the trend in shooters staying that way yeah, in the specific yeah. way that you've described that's Mark.
0: really good because like you reminded me of super hot like that game is one hit kill for everybody all i mean you're going against the a bunch of enemies right? Right. But yeah, like, yeah, right but like you yeah if you get hit once you're down too right um and so like that game is really more of a strategy game like you need to maneuver yourself to get I mean really a it's a
1: puzzle game, game. yeah yeah and right, and right. like puzzle Ellen games, was saying yeah. that's the game that will make you feel clever yeah yeah right? yeah for the for the same reason essentially yeah and,
2: and kind of powerful because the guys like explode <laughs>
1: yeah you know well that's the thing is you can get that feeling of power by oh, by being clever yes or by overcoming a a a natural disadvantage, right? So when you play one hit kill in GoldenEye, mm-hmm. you feel very powerful if you can get three kills in a row. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that doesn't feel very powerful in Call of Duty, right? <clears throat> you need yeah. to get twelve kills in a row to feel powerful on Call of Duty. Yeah. right. But it levels the playing field a little bit because if 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 in a one shot kill game that has no other me- mechanical differences, mm-hmm. so there's no other accommodations for for uh, uh, accessibility um most people will feel powerless yeah and the, and the people who get one or two kills in a row are going to feel super powerful and so it might uh, you know uh, adv- advantage highly skilled players only and mediocrely skilled players will not be will not feel any kind of uh, feedback from it so there needs to be other accommodations for that sort of thing
2: like sniper class <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep. but you know uh, uh, class based shooters are popular i'm just sort of like spitballing but mm-hmm. like if one shot kill is true across the board then you can have a class that doesn't have a weapon but can't be shot right and so it can do recon and it can it can sabotage there can be lots of different types of skills and
0: then i would be interested in this game (laughs) because i I think i've talked about it on the show before but like i don't really like shooting in games yeah i mean from a moral standpoint it's not great but like I'm, i'm not talking about it from a moral standpoint from a gameplay standpoint it, I'm not good at it. So I don't like it. Um, yeah. And I, I think
1: Overwatch has a little of that where there's some like support characters yeah, and stuff. Yeah. But, but it still works the same way. It still way, works yeah. the same way.
0: Yeah. And even in that game, like the way Overwatch works is it encourages you to switch characters, like if, if, if things aren't working out. And yeah. I don't like that. Right. Right. Um, right. I want to just stick with one character. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I like that idea a lot specifically because like then you can have support characters. You can have other characters doing things. Like imagine if you had just a character that was like like not even on the map. Yeah. just like analyze the field and you can see oh there's an explosion um, to your right a few clicks away or whatever yeah and so then you could just tell your team that and then your team you know can use that knowledge to avoid getting one shot killed
1: mm-hmm. um, mm.
0: right that would be
3: kind of yeah. interesting Ooh. yeah
1: that's the thing is like why isn't the motivation of your team like I, w- I would love a game where you have a gun but that's not the main mechanic of the game yeah like if the goal is and there's some stealth games like this but uh-huh. in most stealth games as soon as you start shooting it becomes a firefight yeah and I would like it to, uh, I mean, there's two parts to this because sure. shooting is mechanically enjoyable, Yeah. right? There's no getting around that. Yeah. So having less of it is not necessarily my goal. Sure. Yes, right. Yes. But let's imagine a way to have less of it would be, it'd be really interesting to have a gun, but then it's a last resort, mm-hmm. but it doesn't, it doesn't immediately set off all the alarms.
3: Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Um, like I, I, this, some more finesse to that would be interesting in terms of design, but also, why not have a game where you have a gun, but your goal isn't to shoot the other players, right? What, what, what else do
0: you should do with the gun?
1: Well, Splatoon works this way. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Right? You yeah. do shoot other players, but it's not the prime goal. Yeah. Um, the, it's about environmental control. It's about triggering things in the level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what if your goal is to disable you know, the enemy uh, surveillance thing or whatever? Mm-hmm. Or what if it is to knock down... I mean target practice or yeah. why is it a gun at all why not how about it's a rubber band shooter or something and yeah. it's a prank war in the office you know <laughs> there's lots of different narrative conceits you can have yeah. that still has that sort of point and click shooter kind of thing
0: yeah
1: um, it could be like uh trying to you know fire off a squirt gun bef- w- w- while someone's not looking so mm-hmm. there's some stealth to it but also aim and also timing yeah and then the thing you're going could be mo- like there's just so many things you can do
2: yeah I- yeah I want a rapid fire rubber band shooter
1: yeah <laughs>
0: Well, <laughs> <laughs> Makes that noise. That's yeah. pretty wonderful. Uh, we could like we could approach this from the other angle too, where mm-hmm. like instead of making it a one shot kill gameplay wise, yeah. like maybe just make it so that narratively your guns are just weak, right? Mm-hmm. That's an interesting way of approaching it too. Cause then like narratively, when I don't know, when Nathan Drake is shooting a bunch of people and then get shot with the gun. He could be like, huh, you thought that would kill me or something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like those games that much. <laughs> so like a rubber band gun. gun. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like a rubber band gun.
2: <laughs> I need to learn more Godot so I can make a shooter about rubber bands. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's the direction we're taking it. Um
2: because
0: like, that would be that would be kind of interesting narratively. And then like maybe there can be, you know, the one true McGuffin that will actually kill things. And then like that like you know, then narratively that is like the, the thing you're fighting up for or against or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That could be something. The blue rubber band. Yeah. The blue rubber
1: band. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, man, there's all just ideas spinning. Like, mm-hmm. what if all, what if the guns in this arena, if it's a multiplayer shooter. Yeah. They all have one bullet. Yeah. And then you have to throw them away. Yeah. So you find a gun mm-hmm. and <laughs> then you've got a one shot kill gun. Yeah. You don't know who's holding a gun. Yeah. So there's a lot of trepidation. Mm-hmm. But so so then you fire it if you miss well you got to find another gun yeah like there's you know so there could be lots of things about level design and about inventory management and stuff that could coordinate with that mm-hmm. um and then the the gu- the game the gunplay can still be like the sort of prime action yeah uh, that you're leading towards but it doesn't just have to be you know 800 rounds it's- Bullet sponge both ways. Yeah, you know. Yeah, because um, yeah, you could make the guns weaker. You could make the players stronger. You can make the players weaker, the guns stronger. Mm-hmm. All that's just pulling levers mm-hmm. it, with the same mechanic. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it really changes. Oh, see, this is stuff <laughs> I love talking about. All those little little tweaks you make makes the bullets make the bullets weaker, and then all of a sudden you got a completely different game. Yep. <laughs> it's,
1: it's funny it's that you have fun. that reaction because because I'm thinking that that's not that's not anything. Oh,
0: like, <laughs> you just gotta play with it.
1: Like it doesn't actually change well, anything.
0: It- can. Yeah. You should. <laughs>
1: no, it can. It's yeah. just, It just changes. It's the existing system, but changes the dimensions on it. Mm-hmm. And yes. I'm talking about like smashing another axis through that. Oh, that's fair. That, that's
0: that, fair. that graph. Yeah, you know? that's fair. But well, also, you know, you can make little tweaks too. <laughs> yeah. And you have to in the end. <laughs> you do. Right? You do. Yeah.
2: This yeah. has become an impromptu game jam. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we should probably uh, cut it short before it turns fully into. <laughs> Before we have another project. I'm I'm gonna gonna Unity, yes, oh, yeah. <laughs> Unity Stephen?
0: Yeah, I'm not using Godot right now. <laughs> I'll come back to that later. Have
2: courage. Go for it. I can make a button.
0: Fine, Godot it is. I guess we're doing a game jam now, though. All right, <laughs> I, I, I expect an alpha next week. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> That's our show. Check out our website, NiceGames.Club, for show notes and links to resources on today's topic. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode and our programming in general. Go to nicegames.club slash feedback and tell us what you think. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter at Nice Games Club, where Dale tweets about game dev resources and timeline cleanses, which is like, I think it's like those, like if you see it, it's cool, I guess. not describing it well. <laughs> I'm going to go to Twitter <laughs> and check it out. Twitter. Okay. Twitter, timeline cleanses. Or you can email us through contact at nicegames.club. Want to support the show? There are so many ways. Give us a review on your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about your favorite episodes. Join us on Discord by visiting nicegames.club slash Discord. And also, we're on Patreon. As a patron of the show, you'll enjoy bonus content, extra jokes, and more. Sign up at patreon.com slash nicegamesclub.
1: So, until we start again, remember to... Play nice. And make Nice. Okay. Uh, so, how- you missed my stealth transition.
0: What do you mean?
2: What?
1: Pull the trigger. Oh,
2: Ooh. pull the trigger! Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: Martha would have got it. She, <laughs> she'd appreciate me. <laughs> she would have said it. <laughs> yeah, she, she'd have had something
3: better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh.